0: What's up, everyone? How's it going? Anthony Ramirez here. I am your host for Academics and Amigos. This week, I am delighted to interview Dr. Joseph L. Flores. That's right, Dr. Joseph L. Flores. So... Uh, for those of you who don't know Joseph, prior to the, uh, this episode being released, we recorded this a little bit earlier, and Joseph was still uh, in the in the works of defending his dissertation. Since then, Joseph has successfully defended his dissertation, so shout out to Joseph on officially becoming a PhD and doctor. Let's hear more about this in this episode. Another episode of Academics and Amigos, I am your host, Anthony Ramirez, and here with me I have my good friend and uh fellow uh academic in the making and honestly he's almost done let's be real he's almost done he's he just told me uh, a while ago that he's uh, about to defend his dissertation and he's moving on to bigger and better things uh my friend joseph flores joseph what's up my brother
1: what's up man thank you how are I'm, you
0: i'm i'm good dude just uh taking it day by day with all this that's going on you know it's a weird time <laughs> it definitely is dude Um, so, you know, yeah, I just mentioned about you're about to defend your dissertation. How does that feel, man? Um, it's both relieving and incredibly
1: scary all at the same time, because I feel that simultaneously, uh, it's been a great accomplishment. I mean, half the battle is getting the actual document done, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah. But
1: but the, uh, (laughs) the stress nightmares of defending your dissertation that come (laughs) along with, uh with the act of it uh are very real i'm still about two weeks out Mm -hmm. uh, i still have a few more stress nightmares to go but um it's been it's been it it feels good it feels good i'm you know i'm very proud you you i'm very proud of my work and Mm -hmm. you're so intimate with it you look at the document every single day right right. um so it's kind of like having like you know Uh, something to give and something that you've been working on for almost, you know, two to three years.
0: Dude, that's crazy. It's, it's, it's amazing that you mentioned that. And so I have a, I have a question like, um, we we both met at the university of Texas at El Paso and that's how we became friends because we had classes together and stuff. And so how would you compare, um, how would you compare like defending a thesis Um, in comparison to this like would the emotions be very similar or you feel that this desert the dissertation feels heavier and you can feel that
1: well i think the anxiety is the same okay the the anxiety feels the same uh it feels like you know is it good enough i think about i'll remember randomly one sentence that i wrote in the dissertation like (laughs) out of 200 and plus pages i'll remember one sentence and i'll like I'll be like, oh, shoot, is that, is that what I really meant to say? Yeah. And I'll try to try to reassure myself yeah. that there are 200-plus pages and one sentence isn't going to be the end-all, be-all of a defense. Right. But in terms of, of how it feels to – the prep feels a lot different. Like, for us, it's a 10- to 20-minute presentation, Then it's basically mm-hmm. they drill you for an hour and a half, you know? So having to condense all of that information into basically what amounts to an NCA presentation, for example, mm-hmm. uh, feel, you know, it's hard enough to do it with a term paper, like <laughs> a class stupid. paper. <laughs> so I'm trying and trying to do that with a, a dissertation like that. It feels very heavy, right? It feels like you want to put your best step forward. Yeah. But what at ultimately what gets cut out or mm-hmm. what you put in you know into a defense like that so um i think that's where the stress comes from and it's really weird to be washing dishes and being like remembering one random sentence you know just like yeah. and you just stop and you're like oh shit, is that what i really meant to say mm-hmm. right yeah you know? so it's an interesting experience that's for sure
0: I get those moments too. Like I I got that recently. Like I was finishing up a couple of my papers uh, for for my last uh, set of coursework uh, research papers Mm -hmm. and uh, a couple of my had turned in. Right. And, um, uh, and then I was, and then the next couple, the next couple of days, right. Like a day or two after that, I finished turning, turning in. I'm like, i could have totally added this i could have totally done this i could have totally done that and it's just like ah well you know the cool thing is that i can always re- edit and revise in the future you know but uh you know it was one of those things i'm like man i already turned it in you know yeah. um so it's a it's it's a crazy process and i can relate to it in that sense you know i'm pretty sure i'll relate to it even more in the future oh, yeah. since that's sure. coming up for me um but it's 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 an experience like it's it's tough to talk about um what it me what it is to be like a, a graduate student and a phd student like you know um and and i think that what's cool is that and the reason why i want to make this podcast too is uh is to make it accessible for people to digest you know what I mean mm-hmm. um you know I'm that way I'm able to make uh converse with people who are in academia and those who aren't in academia right and just make it easy for people to di- digest so with that being said like how would you describe your work like in general terms like without using the academic jargon and all that so basically what
1: I'm interested is in how uh, social media is used in order to Uh, pursue political ends how does social media affect political communication that is probably my 10 second 10 word sentence of what i do okay um uh i'm really interested in propaganda okay i'm really interested in um meaning making because we are after all in communication Mm -hmm. right uh so meaning making and, and the two the interrelationship between meaning making and propaganda uh would probably be the most that's like my 10 sec my 10 sentence
0: uh description of what i do that's awesome that's awesome and um in in some of the work that you've done like what what would you say are like some of the some of the most interesting facts that you've found within your research or that some of the things that you're like wow i never expected this or the depth of it right
1: i think i think sometimes people hear propaganda um, or when I tell people that I do propaganda, they often think of it as like an offshoot yeah. I that happens in the weird corners of the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I've learned and what I've been kind of struggling with is sort of dealing with the depth and the breadth of what circulates on the internet and how it moves to, you know, the president of the United States when he speaks. mm mm-hmm. And there's this, there's this like media ecology, if you will, right? There's this circulation of information that goes from, quote unquote, the dark web, which is not what it is, but that's what people, that's what yeah. it's often described as, right? Yeah. But it's not. It's 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 on Twitter, mm-hmm. <laughs> and Twitter is probably one of the worst places for this kind of information. And you can see it just move from from places on the internet to press conferences, and that to me is one of the things that. You know as I think as, as researchers, you're so intimately bound up in your work and you're so intimately used to seeing your work that you forget that sometimes only you have those pair of glasses on, right? right? And not everybody else um, sees it the way you do. Mm-hmm. So, I think that that's one of the things which is cool, like your podcast, because it gives people a sense of. You know, in, in academia, we're so hyper-focused. We put on horse blinds. And yeah, it's yeah. sometimes the less you look at is the better because if you can answer, quite, you know, 50 questions about one thing, uh-huh. you can give an explanation about it, you know, um, deductively or inductively, rather. But I think sometimes, like, a podcast, like, your idea is really cool because it allows people to give – to it gives people a platform to sort of talk about what they do it, it, more casually, right? Without that hyper-focus. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's interesting, the, the power that social media really has, too. Um, I, I taught a class just uh, recently about social media, and I remember one of the projects I had them do was look at the terms and agreements of each different social media. I gave them just 10 to look at, and each group had to look at one and they were, they were tripping out over how, like, how much data is given to, like, all these different third-party companies, you know? And, uh, they, you know, a lot of them were like, after this class, I don't know if I want to use social media anymore. But in reality, we're all still going to use it.
1: Right. It, it, I do that to my students, too. I, in my ditto, I teach a digital media class sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I would meet them, read um, the terms and conditions and the... the oh what is it called the terms and conditions and the how did what gets stored when you delete your Mm -hmm. profile yeah and and there's this disconnect right between what we think happens with information and one of my favorite uh things that i like to tell students is that you know there are certain platforms that keep everything
2: Mm -hmm.
1: doesn't matter if it's sort of ephemeral right like like Snapchat. Snapchat, no matter what it is you think happens to those photos when they disappear, those photos are stored um, somewhere forever. Mm -hmm. And their faces always kind of light up because it's kind of like the idea of something going away because you see it on your screen is no longer there. Kind of doesn't match up with the idea that it's stored in some data center, probably in the middle of the desert somewhere, (laughs) right? forever yeah you know and yeah. to have them sort of ex- you can see their eyes right like as teachers you you know when you're, yeah. you're talking <laughs> cause
0: to students eyes they just kind of like look at you like it's that deer in the headlights type of look where it's uh or it's like what you know yeah. it, it, it reminded me of like home improvement you remember in that little intro what oh, but it, it's definitely that you know
1: it's one of my favorite moments as a teacher too is when you can see them and their eyes just kind of light up and you know, it, that, but it, essentially that's what I do. I, I just try to, th- I try to think about media um, from a perspective of how do we use it, you know, mm-hmm. do with it. What does it do to us type stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, what does it mean? Of course my focus, my hyper focus is political communication.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And as long as I have like, known you, you've always been involved with politics and um that's always been kind of like a a side passion of yours um, amongst other side passions um what is it about politics that interests you so much
1: um i think where we're from yeah obviously uh being from el paso there's a certain type of sentiment that i grew up with you know being from my area you know Mm -hmm. this area it's kind of hard to do a lot of things that you and and growing up seeing people live the life that they had to live because of where we were from, Mm -hmm. uh, um, was also, was something that inspired me to do that. But in reality, it was my mom. Um, My mom, um, she was an administrative assistant for various city council representatives since I was like eight or nine. So I grew up around that kind of environment, literally grew up, you know, around, Seeing people, I would go to weekly meetings with my mom because she had, you know, like during the summer, there was nobody to take care of us. So we would just go with my mom to Denny's and and have and be part of weekly meetings or, you know. Um, and so growing up uh, in that environment definitely influenced the way I see politics, the way I see politicians um, and the way I, I feel like I have to be involved to sort of if there's anything I can do. To Do something right, which is optim which is ultimately optimistic, of course. Yeah, definitely. But, but it makes me feel, um, it makes me feel like I can do something, um, mm-hmm. and which is probably overly optimistic. But that's always been my motivation: is to try to do things to make things better, of, uh, um, for those around me.
0: And I think that that's interesting that you have that perception too. Because uh, I think as instructors and and researchers and future scholars and all that, I think that we have to have that sense of of uh, you know optimism. You know that's what kind of drives us too. We want to make a difference too, whether it's in the civic engagement type of way, uh, in, in our academic research, whether it's actually participating within organizations or whatever it may be or even just in the classroom too you know like we we were mentioning the seeing our students faces when they light up after you like tell them something that's like oh snap that's true you know little things like that matter right and um i think that's that's one of the things that i love about being an instructor and doing the type of research that i do too it's like hearing the reactions from people you know and just like wow your work matters and you know, I could see this making a difference and that's cool. It's, it's nice, you know, um, you know, in a weird way, it kind of feeds the ego too, (laughs) you know? Um, but you know, that's not why we're doing it. We're doing it to make a difference in some way or another, you know? And I think that's the beauty of, um, what you just mentioned. And also the beauty of just, um, academic work and just knowledge in general, like whether you just to share it with, with our students or with others, you know? And, um, you know, it's it's I think that again, I think that that optimism drives us. And I think we need to have optimism because, um, you know, for the the academic world can be a dark place, too. <laughs> yeah.
1: And yeah. I mean, and for me personally, because I'm at UNM, um, yeah. there is a real sort of tangible inequity here. Right. Uh, there's there's the digital divide here is real. Mm mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of my students work full-time, I mean, full-time 40-hour a week jobs. And so the, 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 it being the kind of commuter school where, you know, students are here for two hours and trying to, those two hours where you can get them to sit down and listen to you really matter. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think having the, opt- of that knowledge in the background where you're like, you can understand where your students are coming from. Mm-hmm. You know, we live in a state with one of the poorest median incomes in New Mexico. Right. Uh, you know, we live in a state with one of the poorest sort of uh, public school systems in New Mexico. Right. So having that kind of knowledge not only influences the way I teach, mm-hmm. but it sort of influences why I teach the way I teach. Right. How can I teach the, to make it more equitable in my own little hour and 15 minutes? that I get students twice a week, Mm -hmm. face-to-face, you know, and those types of things, I think, um, unfortunately, I don't think a lot of uh, uh, places around the country think that way. Um, For better or for worse, that's a whole other conversation. But I think that that sort of having that knowledge influence the way you teach and the way you approach students Mm -hmm. um, is quite political in a lot of different ways.
0: Yeah, yeah and And one of the things you know going like I know that this is maybe like a hot topic for like academics too and scholars, but you know we we just mentioned that that academia can be a dark place, you know and and I think you know we're always getting critiqued in a variety of ways, which is good because that helps us improve, but at the same time there's all that always leads down this downward spiral of the imposter syndrome too. Of, like, are we good enough? Are we good enough? So, what advice would you give to somebody maybe just starting out who's facing this? I would say, you know,
1: I would say two things. Um, I would say that progress is part of the process. Mm -hmm. You don't get to where you want to go without going through it, right? Every book you read, every chapter you read, every article you read is going to change your perception about some topic no matter what and you don't have the ability to know what you don't know unless you read it yeah right so understand going into academia understanding that okay I have a lot to learn because I think sometimes and I I guess I can say I was guilty of it right you go into you get into a graduate school and for some people it's read as being the accomplishment of knowledge Mm -hmm. right I think we should approach that differently as being the door of knowledge, right? Like you've been give, granted the opportunity to learn more that there's no way you, you know it all, obviously, yeah. right? People spend their entire lives studying subjects and never know it all. Yeah. So I think, I think approaching it with the idea that, okay, progress is part of the process. You have to go through it. You have to, you have to actually um, endure the work right and mm-hmm. and think about the work as part of the process and i think second um one of the things that i always tell new graduate students particularly a, a new phd students is a little bit of humility mm-hmm. right? and sometimes i get a lot of like when i when you know like the intro sessions where graduate students meet the new graduate students oh, yeah, yeah yeah and the the new grad students always ask the older grad students what advice do you have and I always tell them a little bit of humility and they all, you know, most of them will like roll their eyes at me, mm-hmm. but I think, I think humility goes a long way. It really does. I think being able to recognize that, okay, I don't know all of it. So I've got to read whatever I got to read to gain a grasp of what it is that you, um, that you're about to endure. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think that takes a lot of, I think that takes some, some amount of, okay, um you know i guess maybe that's a little bit of brown guilt kicking in right but like the idea <laughs> the idea that you just need to sit down and do the work yeah 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 you know? just sit down and read and be a part of the process and 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 yes the ac- academia can be a very dark place uh, there's there's that's yeah that's true but i think for me the way i learned how to survive was to just Find the things that I was interested in, obviously, Mm -hmm. and just go, just go. Just there's just so much to read and so much to learn about that. Having that kind of ability to do that, it's quite humbling when you think you realize when you think you know a lot, but then you just sort of like step back and you're like, man,
0: I know jack. Yeah, I know nothing. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. It, it really is. Um, and you know. I think that's one of the cool things about like, like scholarship in general, you know, and, and academia, it's like, we, we're getting paid to do, you know, to read and write about stuff we care about and that we're passionate about. And I think that's the fun part about academic work. You know, it's tedious, of course. And there's times where it's just like, you know, you're pulling hair out sometimes, but deep down inside, like we love it. Yeah. You know, if we didn't love it, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing right now. You know, we wouldn't be going through these trials and tribulations and obstacles of going here and there and everywhere in order to, you know, get to the next step, you know, because we care about it. And initially it goes back to like what we talked about earlier, that passion, you know? And I think one of the things too that, like, there's two things that that reminded me of like um, our... our, our, uh, our hometown and, and, uh, and, and UTEP. One um, humility that you brought up, right. And I think that El Paso, um, for the most part, we're, we're very humble people, you know, um, we're, we're very humble people and we're people who care, you know, and uh, we're, you know, and I think that that's something that, that if, if people who aren't from El Paso ever go to, that they'll, if they ever have a chance to go, they'll see that, you know, that people are cool there, you know? Um, and I'm, I'm and probably being biased too, <laughs> but, um, but you know, I, I feel that way. I genuinely feel that way that people are, are just down to earth there. But another thing is too, is that I, I'm going to, re- I'm going to reference one of our, our former professors too. Um, and one that I know had a huge impact on you, Dr. Stacey Sowards. Yeah. And, and I remember Dr. Sowers told me, I remember I, I approached the master's program thinking, oh, I'm going to be, you know, I want to do edited videos and all this other stuff, thinking I'm going to do that. And she goes, no, it's a bunch of reading and writing. I'm like, I like that too, you know? <laughs> and so I remember going and taking her class. It was the qualitative research class.
2: Right.
0: And I had no idea what the heck I was going to do a research paper on. Like, I had no idea. And, and then she goes, do you have any idea what you're going to do? I'm like, no. Well, what do you like? I'm all like, uh, I like comic books. Really? And, then, and then she goes, okay, write about comic books then. And then I go, really? I can write about comic books? She's like, yeah, you can write about anything. When she told me that one line, you can mm-hmm. write anything, that like straight up just like blew my mind. It blew my mind. And then it also like made me feel like, wow, this is cool. You know? Mm-hmm. This is fun. And yeah. then later on, when I met um, Dr. Von Meer, uh, another mentor of ours and professor of ours, that when, when, I met, when, when I met him and when I was you know working on my thesis, he told me two words that have always stuck with me, geek out.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: This is my chance to geek out and to just like both you know academically and as a person that studies pop culture this is my chance to geek out you know and those are the things that have stayed with me personally and that's what i tell people like like the advice i give to people you know i go you you know find something you're passionate about find something that you genuinely care about and you want to write about and that's just going to move you forward because if you find something you actually care about and give a damn about that's going to move you, you're you going to like bend over backwards to try to find as much as you can about that information because you actually love it mm-hmm. if you don't then what's the purpose of even being here or what's the even or purpose of even uh, pursuing research
1: right and the, and that's sort of right if you can find a way to blend the two mm-hmm. right, if you can find a way to blend whatever it is you enjoy doing or you're passionate about and find a way to research it and there's probably a way to do anything, really, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, the other day, this is probably off topic, but yesterday I was watching, I like watching cooking shows on YouTube, just to show yeah, the yeah. and there was a dude who calls himself the professor of hamburgers. Oh, wow. And so I was really, I was like, I started Google.
0: Is, is he the some dude that has, like, these sideburns like that? Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yes, <laughs> yeah, I know who you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, wow, what
1: the heck? And apparently he's written, like, like a couple of books and stuff on like but the point is is that like it's, i i think about you know first it is it is a very i like to tell my dad likes to make fun of me but it, it's a very cushy lifestyle uh uh-huh. in a lot of different ways um it's hard it's it's a, but when you have when you when you're when you break it down to its bare minimum of reading and writing it's a it's very you know what I mean, like you just read and write, yeah and and that's that's quite the privilege to it just is. It really is yeah it really is quite the privilege to just read and write and and pretend like you can explain what's happening in the world, I say pretend, but <laughs> it's you know true. <laughs> but like pretend and and say things that somehow mean something to a certain amount of people who are probably in the same conference as you are, and then that's where it matters the most for whatever yeah. Reason. yeah right and that's a whole other conversation about the 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 trickle down if you will from academia to the rest of the world but you know you read and you write you go to conferences you talk to people who understand what you're saying you go back to your office you read and write more, and more then you you know it's 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 this dynamic flow of, of privilege really but it's just this flow of like you know it's really cool when you think about how you get to spend your time reading and writing. Mm-hmm. and once you and for me it clicked when i not only when i met dr Sowers, but when i met dr upton and, and you know being able to understand that that you can just sort of sit down and read and, and try to figure out how how you can best explain the way the world works yeah and, and that's that's pretty cool that's that's pretty cool to be doing you know what i mean and and so in that from that perspective. Uh, finding a way to merge something that you think is really cool, mm-hmm. or really interesting or something that you're really passionate about into this world
0: of research. I mean, it, it, it's something else. It's, it's really fun. No joke. That same, con- th- that's the same conversation I had with Dr. Vantmir that convinced me to pursue a PhD. Yeah. That was a very, th- like the same things that you just mentioned were the same things that he said that, Made you know, made me pursue the PhD, mm-hmm. and uh you know, for that I'm I'm always grateful about you know, and I, and it's cool to hear that from you know from you and uh, other other friends and mentors of mine too. You know, it's just that's it, it's a reassuring thing. You know, it's really cool knowing that, and I think that for people hearing this, and you know, whether they're future scholars, current scholars, or um, whatever it may be, you know. Whatever your dream and whatever your your passion is, I hope that you're able to find it, you know, Uh, and um, are able to mix things that you're passionate about and make, you know, a life and living out of it, because that's what it's about, you know. And um, speaking of passions and and, and things that, that, you know, aside from academic work, I know that, that you're very passionate about sports. You know, yeah. you're, you're a sports fan. I know um, you and I both can have conversations about football, like day in and day out. But I know deep down inside the sport that means the most to you is baseball.
2: Oh, dude. I,
0: uh, yeah. Yeah. So what is it about baseball that means so much to you? Baseball is such a complicated sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you,
1: you have different ways of throwing the baseball and it seems very easy, right? You hit the bat, you hit the ball, you catch the ball. At the very core level, baseball is hit the ball, catch the ball. Right. But it's just so intricate, right? When I played, I played um, cat- I was a catcher. Mm-hmm. And, so, and that's sort of the, the quarterback, if you will, of, mm-hmm. of the baseball field. So you have to understand what's going on in different scenarios. Where there are runners on base? Where there are how many strikes? What are you going to throw when you have you know, two strikes or a ball and two strikes? And, and it's just so schemey. That's the best way to, right? Baseball is so schemey. I mean, I will take every opportunity to bash the Houston Astros. That is, is baseball is so schemy that you can cheat and win a World Series. <laughs> oh, that's funny, man. But it's just, I, I just like the way that the game can be played in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, There's so many different approaches. And and it's hard. It's a hard sport when you have people, when you have, you know, when you're up there swinging at a ball that's coming at you 99 miles an hour, Mm -hmm. you have a blink of an eye to react. Yeah. And so it's just, to me, I mean, my grandpa was a gigantic baseball fan. He was a huge baseball fan. Uh, My mom is a huge baseball fan. My dad played baseball, uh, you know, all his life my brother is extremely good at baseball Mm -hmm. and so um you know it's just something that I've always been around and and I get you know people say it's it's a sport that you can't watch that you have to play and it is a lot of fun to play but I think once you're sort of once you know what's going on and it's it's hard to walk away from uh, with the pandemic and everything, I've been watching <laughs> YouTube baseball games on. YouTube. <laughs> That's cool. Old baseball games on YouTube, mm-hmm. um, just to you know, it's it's supposed to be summer now. Baseball season. Yeah. Any yeah. other summer, I would have been watching baseball anyway. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's it's a big passion of mine.
0: It's interesting, though. It's just um, the way you dissected it. That was that was awesome, and just how deep it is like deeply rooted within your family that it is because I know, i've i met your fa- your parents and i know your i know your brothers and your and your brother and your sister and uh yeah it's just it's in your family it's in your blood it really is like the, the love you all have for baseball it really is in your blood like like it it it's like it doesn't compare to like the, the love that you all have for the love of the, the game of baseball compares nothing to like The love I have for like like football or even like basketball, you know,
1: it is so deep in my family that one year uh, Mother's Day fell on the same day as Derek Jeter Day. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff for the Yankees. Yeah. And my mom made us wear Yankee apparel for that day, even though it was Mother's Day. So the Mother's Day request was to wear Yankee apparel. In order to respect the fact that that it was also also Derek Jeter Day, right, and and that's one of the pictures that she has framed in the house. Of course, is Uh all of us in our Yankee apparel on Derek Jeter Day slash Mother's Day. You know what I mean? So it it did it cuts deep in my family.
0: That's awesome, though. I think that the the familismo that's in, in like intersectioned within the game of baseball. It's just uh, it, that's awesome. I think yeah. that's cool. it's become like I I don't know. It's it's it's, it's um, I guess it's just another cultural value for you. I guess you know. Oh, yeah. You know that that's awesome. You know, um, and I know another passion of yours. Um, are 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 your dogs? Like yeah. like like, I know like you even have a tattoo of one of your dogs, yeah. um, Bijou, right? Oh, yeah. is Bijou. Bijou, how old is he?
1: Um, or how is he? Both. Bijou is 14. So he's a very senior dog. Uh-huh. Um, still mobile, still still barking, still eating, still, you know, forgive my French, still chingando alma. <laughs> um, <laughs> Como da lata. Pero uh, he's good, man. Uh, the other dogs are good. Um, the puppies are now, they're about to be three. Wow. So they're no longer really puppies but it, I mean my mom has six dogs now so it's just, it's a puppy household it's a dog house you know, it's always been a dog
0: house That's, Yeah, yeah. Um, What I think so cool about your tattoo though too is that it, ha- it has a, it's, it's a picture of, of Bijou and also like as an astronaut, right? and In space and i think that that's cool that it mixes like all these different things that you like into one that's one of the coolest tattoos i I think that you have like you you have a lot of different tattoos but i I remember that one in particular i love the style of it that it's kind of like cartoony but it's super colorful um but i just think it's cool how it mixes all these different passions of yours into that one tattoo
1: shout out to maui well he's in san diego now Mauricio Pastor, he's, a, he's an amazing artist, uh, but he's in San Diego. He's originally from El Paso. Um, shouts out to him. He, he's the, I told him, I just want my dog in a space suit, and that dude got down. And he created the, the piece? Like, like He was like, all right, give me about a week, and I came back a week later, and he, and he, had, he just showed me the sketch, and I was like, let's do it. That's dope. So, shouts out to him. He... he He's quite the artist, so
0: that's that's dope. That's cool. I like. I've always like joked around saying like I would love to get tattoos on about like different comic book panels and stuff, but I'm too big of a chicken to actually like go down and do it, and it'd be too expensive, you know. It's just like nah. And then like I and then like I can imagine if I were to do it, I can hear my mom's voice in the back of my head being like, "Ay, hijo, por favor, no." You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's just one of those things, like you know. I was like, I'm too, but the big gist of it is that I'm too big of a chicken to actually get get down into it. (laughs) You know what I mean? But I think that um, you know, tattoos are interesting because of how um, that one they're they're very artistic, Mm -hmm. and two, um, the the meaning behind each of them is 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 really really cool. And I think that um, you know, I think that's what's so really interesting about tattoos as well you know and like going going back to yours you know i think that that's cool and i know you have a bunch of different ones too including that texas one too um and i don't know i just think that that's really cool and i think that it's an interesting aspect about um i guess i don't know
1: um like those like the those cholos in japan that you were showing oh my showing.
0: gosh that's another yeah yeah like this one <laughs> so I posted up a video on my Facebook page the other day, uh, showing uh, like about these people who are uh, what are they Chinese or Japanese? Japanese. They're Japanese. They're Japanese, but they're like really, really fascinated with the Mexican cholo culture. And for those of you who don't know what cholos are, they're kind of like Mexican—not gangs, not no, not gangsters, athletic almost. Yeah. Um. Like it, with the blow riders, they had yeah that, Bangkok, right? Yeah. Like they had like dope blow riders, dude, like, and they had like <laughs> the paint job, the rims, everything <laughs> oh, to the right. teeth,
2: right? Yeah, like
0: beater, uh, tank tops. Mm-hmm. That's such a horrible like term for like a shirt, a wife beater. But I mean, that's what I've always known it as. So I apologize for those who find that problematic. Um, but um and then the dickies pants the shorts and all that they, they weren't like heads i think even someone if someone were rocking zoot suits right
1: yeah and like, they even got the crease that's how you know that's how you know. de- <laughs> <laughs> they've got the crease they've got the crease which is what tripped me out the most because i mean it's easy to duplicate a bunch of like you know t-shirts and pants and and shoes and even the cars but these these dudes they had the crease and I was like, man, you know that that there was a, a a commendable piece of attention to detail.
0: It, it really was. And then, so going back to the tattoo in the very beginning of the video, there's um a young woman who's going and presents uh like a sketch that it, it says, excuse my language, pinche <laughs> chingona, which means like again, excuse my French fucking badass woman right (laughs) um and i was like wow you know like one i thought it was hilarious because it was like you know i didn't i was just like wow the fact that she is going to get this tattoo you know what i mean and it's it's one yeah it is commitment it's commitment but it's also like a different form of uh I don't know, acculturation, in, you know, uh,
1: appropriation.
0: Appropriation, um, you know, really it's it's a whole mix of different things all in one. But the fact that you know she she's getting this this Asian woman is getting a tattoo in Spanish that has, has these two specific terms, you know. I'm just it was I was in awe and and <laughs> I found it hilarious, but it was um, that that scene in particular I found funny. Yeah, but everything about it was just fascinating. It's interesting. Yeah, you know, like you mentioned, like the attention to details that they had in there, too. I'm just like, wow. Um, you know,
1: it was real, man. It was real—the crease in the cuff—and it was just like, it, it's a. It, I I always show that that the Cholos in Bangkok video. Yeah. If I, if I get assigned to teach like a any culture class or, and. And so even, in, you know, when in, you met in Albuquerque, mm. cholo culture is, is quite a thing here. In terms yeah. of, you know, And so they always trip out and, and it's something that always like stays with them. They're like, I wouldn't have never guessed there were cholos in Bangkok. And it's like, dude, it, it's, it's, so it's a wild world out there. It's almost like why wouldn't
0: there be cholos in Bangkok? And then they even buy like certain merchandise from like Los Angeles or from like certain locations within the United States, right? Like I know Dodgers Dodgers related merchandise. Lakers like baseball Lakers. Um yeah. you know, so you know it's 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 something else. That's what it is. Like I, I have no other way to describe that video. Uh but it's all good. It's all good. Um, yeah, it's it's stripped out. Um, like so, I guess to move on a little bit too. Um, both of us are huge music geeks. Right, like we're, we're really like, and you were even in a band for a while too. Right. Um, you know, what is it about music that means so much to you?
1: I think it goes along with baseball. Um, my grandparents on my mother's side were mariachis. Uh huh. Um, that's how they met, and so um, very young, you know. Just music was always something that was a part of my household. Mm-hmm. My grandpa would was always playing guitar and singing, um, and so like my mom is the the biggest fan of music I've ever known. Mm-hmm. Um, she she has a record collection that is just. You like record vinyl, like original vinyl from like the seventies eighties that that just bar none she could put you know pound for pound one of the best record collections, and my mom was a type of music collector where she would buy one album to play and buy one album oh, to you know what I mean and yeah, so yeah. there's a joke in the house that like. Uh, that's the only thing that I'm getting out of the will, but <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the things that I just, I, you know, that, that, and so it comes from my mom, uh, and my grandpa. And so growing up, I, I was in, you know, band in high school and middle mm-hmm. school and elementary school. And then eventually I was, you know, in high school, started playing in bands, toured for a long time, mm-hmm. uh, tried to make money out of playing music, which is, you know, the ultimate dream, um, I think will forever be. Uh, I was going to like Aerosmith concerts at the age of like 10. And yeah. so, <laughs> so, you know, it's just always been something that, that um, has been around for me. It's just, you know, music, live music um, and, and, and making music. Mm-hmm. Something that I, I will always, you know, cherish to do.
0: What would you say are some of like your favorite bands, or what? Like a better question to ask is like, what are some albums that you say are are maybe like some that you would you can't live without?
1: So I guess I can answer that as most recently, right? Like one of the albums that I just have on repeat is that an album by Manchester Orchestra um, called "The Black Mile to the Surface." Mm-hmm. Um, it's just. I've been listening to that particular band for almost 10 years, more than 10 years, but this particular, this album is just so good. So that's one, of course, there are other, you know, there are a ton of bands, but um, I think I was actually writing the, uh, in the acknowledgement section of my dissertation, I was like going to stop and like list albums that have what, like, because you know, when you're writing or when you're sometimes when mm-hmm. cause there are, flows and work of research work where it's like you'll have a good 4 or 5 days or yeah. it's just like non stop you are you're, you're on the roll mm-hmm. and for me that happens usually uh there's one particular album or song that just keeps playing it's on repeat you know mm-hmm. what i mean like Flo- like Florence and the machines live performance at Royal Albert Hall
2: i i must
1: have listened to that like a hundred times no joke in the last two or three months because mm-hmm. it was just periods where it was literally it, i would put it on youtube close you like minimize youtube just have it in the background and then when it would finish i would just go back to the start and just keep writing because for whatever reason sometimes you get in the you know you, that's the flow of things right mm-hmm. um, and there's usually a soundtrack in the background that helps yeah you know, so in the acknowledgements of my dissertation, I was going to go through and just like. <laughs> that's awful. Awesome. But then I was like, that's a bit too much. But so that's how I feel, right? Yeah. Like, that's how I feel because um, those, out, those particular albums or songs or whatever it is that helps you get by. Some people like to watch music or, I mean, like to watch like Netflix or have background shows, right? Like, um that's why, like, The Office, something like The Office for me will yeah. forever be special. I mean, yeah, it is a pop culture icon. Yeah. But my first two years um, as a PhD student, I watched The Office because it felt like there were people around me interacting. Yeah. What do I you mean? It felt like I had, you know, you, you're you reading all day and all night, that's, that have and you're most of the time, you're by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. For me, The Office was this weird way of having some kind of social interaction, of course, mediated through the screen, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So uh, that's why I love The Office, because it just, it helped me get by in what felt like really lonely times, yeah. you know, because in the background, people were interacting, and sometimes that's all you need is just some form of, like, mm-hmm. social interaction.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember for my thesis, there was one album from this group called um, Belbury, that they're like an yeah. instrumental rock group, and uh, and I had this that album on repeat while I was writing my thesis. It was on repeat, like nonstop, mm-hmm. because it, the, like I was writing, and I'd be like, okay, this is cool. Because and then the interesting thing now that I've noticed just recently is that I start off with like instrumental music right uh and then I move on to like it's either instrumental or like that lo-fi music and then from there I was like okay I finally got a rhythm I can move on to music with lyrics (laughs) with words because I you know I'm like already in the zone so I can transition right and and actually like not like you know air drum or air guitar or anything I'll be like (laughs) You know, but it's interesting. I have to build myself in, up through increments in order to get to that point.
1: As, as I was finishing the dissertation, one of the things I found to be most difficult was to find um, motivation every day. Uh-huh. To get, uh, and to hope, like, sometimes the biggest battle, like, the biggest hurdle is opening the document. Like, you, you're on your laptop and you're, like, screwing around, you're watching YouTube or you're on Facebook. And you can see the document on the side of your little screen there, right? And you just you avoid opening it, and sometimes that's the biggest hurdle is is simply opening up the document to 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 work, right? And usually, once you do that, you can trick yourself into working, right? Uh, but I found that 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 um, white noise on YouTube very effective and sort mm-hmm. of like blind like blanking out. All the other noise right just sort of because one of the other things that i like to do is i like to watch since i love video games but i can't play video games as i like to watch twitch streamers oh yeah yeah. so i like to watch even if it's just in the corner or like off on the on the tv i'll Mm -hmm. watch people stream on twitch video games that i like to play just to sort of you know you know feel like i'm I'm actually yeah like
0: yeah immerse yourself into it again Right, yeah, and
1: so uh, but white noise had been really effective for like the last two months of my dissertation writing, mm-hmm. um, which is you know really something that I, I don't remember how I stumbled upon it, but I would put white noise with the lo fi, the little uh-huh. right dude on YouTube, uh huh, um, and just play them together so that the white noise wouldn't be so boring, but the lo fi would also wouldn't be so too loud. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. You gotta find whatever works.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. You you came up with like a remix there, like that could maybe like sell. You know, that,
2: that, you gotta cool. find whatever works. Whatever works it to really, help. True. Real,
0: it really, it really is. You know, I'm not. I'm the type of person I can't work with like TV though. Like, yeah. like I've tried it multiple times. Like I've had it, but then I'll be like too immersed within the narrative of the actual television show that I'm just like,
2: okay, yeah. what was I
0: writing again? Yeah. You know? Like, I, I just, I need to have, a, like, well, that's why, like, I have to, I like, if I'm going to watch a show or something, I have to, like, dedicate myself to it, you know?
1: which makes football season terrible?
0: Oh, <laughs> gosh, <dude. laughs> My first year? I don't know how I got through my first year, dude, because he, what's funny is that here in College Station, they show more New York Giants games Which um, for those of you who don't know that, I'm a big New York Giants fan um they show more Giants games here than they did back in El Paso and so it was you know I was like yes I'm gonna watch Giants games and I'm like man I got work to do yeah
1: if if that's your thing right Is I mean and then Sundays for me are always weird dates that's usually where I try to grade or whatever but like it's hard sometimes it's hard it's hard I think that's the, the other thing about graduate school is that it's hard to be on all the time, yeah, right It's hard to be on research and writing and reading sometimes, sometimes no matter how much you love it because we were talking about how much you love it, mm-hmm. sometimes no matter how much you love it, it's hard to turn, yeah. turn yourself on yeah because it is it is physically and mentally and emotionally exhausting sometimes yeah. and like for me, for example, because I deal with I have to read alt-right narratives all day. I have to read white nationalist narratives all day. Mm-hmm. I have to read how wonderful, you know, how wonderful President Trump is doing all day. That, like, sometimes it's just, it's hard to just find the energy to, to just, you know, even immerse yourself into that. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, they talk about life worth balance. And to some extent, I don't think that that's possible in the academy. Right. Yeah. Like life work balance is very, very difficult, especially, you know, I, I don't, I'm not married and I don't have children. So for me, I can only like I always, you know, tell my mom, imagine if I had a wife and kids, like imagine if I had other people to take care of mm-hmm. emotionally. Right. Or other people to tend to in that kind of situation. I don't know how I would be able to do it. I genuinely struggle by myself. Yeah. You know, and and thinking about what it is to be like, you know, a parent or or in that kind of situation. I don't know, dude. Dude, you know I, mean? I admire those who who. Do I it. don't know. I, I genuinely don't know if I would be able to finish a PhD because it's it's, it's tough by myself. But mm-hmm. the point is, it's sort of like thinking about like if you're going to become or or I think I I wish that the academy had a culture where they were more open about that. Mm-hmm we were more comfortable sharing, okay, how do you find the motivate? What is it? How do you discipline yourself enough to get up every day and do your job? Right. Right? Yeah. Because motivation is fleeting. It comes and goes. And a lot of times, the only way you survive is discipline. So what, how, you know, very Foucaultian. But, where- <laughs> well, you know, at the end of the day, uh, one of my very good friends, she used to always say, it's a job. Right? Yeah, yeah. Even my advisor, my advisor, would, uh, here at UNM, one of the first times him and I met privately, you, he told me, you have to remember, this is a job. This yeah. is how you put on your table. Yeah. So how, how are you going to be effective at your job? Mm-hmm. So um, at that level, learning or talking about how do you, you know, I wish we would share that more. Right? I wish we could do that more. And people were comfortable with that, right? Like, what is it that, that how do you, what tactics do you use to get up every morning and do your job? Yeah. Yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. How do you find that to be most effective for you? Because, I mean, white noise and the lo-fi hip-hop works for me, but it might not work for you, right? The office might work for somebody, but it might not work for somebody else. Like, Uh so... So I think that would be really cool to sort of have that built into the academy. Like, you know, everybody's different. Everybody works differently, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean you can't take from, from ideas from you to just try it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's, you know, especially with the pandemic going on right now, I think that's one thing that, that they should put into consideration more because I know from my students and from fellow colleagues of mine, And even some of my professors that they've had days where they're like, I just don't want to do anything. And I've had had a couple of those days myself, you know, where it's just like, you know what, I'm not in the mood to do it.
1: Or even sending an email feels like a battle. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah.
1: And and, and it's just the whole pandemic thing, I think, I mean, that's an entire different conversation, but I think it's going to permanently adjust the way the Academy deals with certain things. And so Mm – i I i'm interested to see what's going to happen i mean i know for you college station they're already adamant about having football games
0: yeah Yeah. that's a conversation for another day too
1: (laughs) and so it's going to be interesting to see what happens to the academy after this
0: it definitely is and not just the academy but i think life in general you know oh yeah for sure i mean absolutely right like absolutely yeah but but yeah, speaking as people within, you know, within this, this, uh, sphere, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, definitely like, like speaking on Bordeaux, like with Bordeaux terms, like spheres, you know, um, (laughs) uh, you know, I think that, uh, yeah, you know, being in the sphere that we're in right now, it's just, um, it's definitely going to be different, both, uh, research and academic wise and just um as instructors as well like even teaching online has been different oh dude i mean that's an, that's also an entire different <laughs> well, we're gonna have to do like a, a part two <laughs> uh, on uh, uh on of uh of our uh conversation here on academics and amigos joseph like straight up we're gonna have to do like a separate con- uh, like a separate <laughs> uh thing just dedicated to all these like other conversations we had <laughs> right.
1: it, it's, it's just it's going to be interesting i mean being on the job market at this time has yes. legitimately freaking sucked um it, it's it's upended you know whatever job prospects i had and sort of sort of like how do we move forward and are those lines ever going to open up and so the you know and then students, uh, I I think being from New Mexico, where there, there's real inequity and real, real tangible struggles that these students have to go through, um, not saying that that's not prevalent everywhere else, it is. But, you know, New Mexico is a particular case in which, you know, there, these things make real differences. It, it's been difficult having to to... to how you can't have those same supportive conversations with students. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't, you know, you Zoom can only do so much. Yeah. Um, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, announcements via learn and blackboard can only do so much. You know what yeah. I mean? And so and so it's difficult. It, it's 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 a really interesting time huh, to put it
0: mildly. Huh. It's it's been something else. It really has. Um, the transition from you know going from a public space to a digital space has just been um an interesting transition it really has um but you know uh going going back to uh going back to what you mentioned earlier about your your you know you know being in the job process right now you know that you know it's tough i know a lot of other people who are in the same boat and you know, I've told you many times in, in separate conversations before, right? whichever university picks you up, they're going to have a good one, man. They're really going to have a good one because I honestly mean this, that you've always been – like, since the day I met you, you've always been one of the smartest dudes I've ever met, one of the smartest guys I've ever met. And and um, just the work that you do and your work ethic, it's just – it's amazing, dude. So, you know, whatever university – you know, picks you up. And I know a universe is going to pick you up. I know like you're going to get a a good job, dude. And wherever it's going to be, they're going to have a good one, man.
1: Thanks, man. Appreciate that.
0: You know, so I I know that you're meant for great things, dude. And, uh, you know, uh, I guess to kind of wrap things up too, uh, where can people find you or where can, uh, you know, if, if, uh, if you don't mind sharing like some of the stuff, like where can people find you and where can uh, people check out more of your work?
1: So right now, I'm currently off, actually off of your suggestion. I'm trying to finish the website, uh, my own personal website. But basically, you can catch me on on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, it's just it's my name without the vowels, J F P H F L R S. I am quite vocal on Twitter. Um, sometimes maybe too unapologetically vocal. <laughs> uh but it's my sorry,
0: not sorry type of thing and you know yeah. what i love your twitter post bro i love it
1: it's my way of yelling into the void um for better or for worse admittedly for better or for worse um but i just some you know i like yelling at like marco rubio um and <laughs> <laughs> matt gates uh just because for me i have to live i live on that on the on those platforms mm and sometimes the only way my frustrations can come out is by participating on those platforms again for better or for worse but that's that's where i'm at i mean i'm on facebook sometimes um but there's a website coming i just need to figure out i've just been too busy with the dissertation um and i've got an r&r that i gotta work on so but um it's just been a lot of uh noise so but yeah twitter instagram uh j s p h f l r s
0: awesome so like once once you get the website up uh send me the link and i'll i'll be i'll I'll share, it. I'll share all right. it. i appreciate um, it um but thanks so much for being a part of the podcast bro um you know like i said i wish you nothing but the best and i know that great things are coming for you and congratulations on all your success and all your future success and um you know I can't wait to have this conversation again uh, once you are a, a, a doctor, dude, Dr. Joseph Flores.
1: Not yet, man. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> it's getting there. It's
0: getting there though. It's going to happen. I know it. Um, you know, I have full faith and I, I, I have uh, nothing but uh, great admiration for you, my brother. And, um, you know, thank you for all the support you've given me throughout um, this process to, you know, have, um, you know, nothing but respect and admiration for you, my friend
1: nothing respect and love.
0: Again, shout out to Dr. Joseph Flores for being a guest on this week's Academics on Amigos. Be sure to follow Joseph on Twitter at JSPHFLRS. That is also his Instagram handle as well. So if you'd want to follow him on Instagram, that's his Instagram handle as well. Be sure to follow Academics and Amigos at Twitter, Academics Amigos, or follow me on Twitter at Latinx be sure to check out my website, www.arramirez.com, or follow me on Instagram at academics and Again, thank you so much for listening to this episode. We will see you next week. Thank you so much. Take care of yourselves. Be cool and stay awesome.